Hello everyone! Welcome to this episode of Grim Tales from the Garden State, the show where we follow the dark stories and twisted threads that have been woven in the great state of New Jersey. I'm your host, Mrs. B, and today's story is about Danny Burroughs, a truck driver with an affinity for tools and home projects who got remarried to his high school sweetheart, Loretta Burroughs. When the couple faces diverting life plans, it seems they have two options, compromise or break up. But what if I told you there was a secret third option? But before we get started today, let's hear our terrifying tidbit. A study was performed based upon 30 cases of homicides with dismemberment in Krakow, Poland. According to the National Library of Medicine, the majority of these cases featured familial issues, but six were due to mental illness and three were because of some sort of sexual gratification. Usually, the homicides and dismemberments were spurred on by extreme emotion and not much, if any, planning. Only two were premeditated. Interestingly, the perpetrator killed a stranger in only three of the cases. The conclusion of the study was that most of the time, people are dismembered by close friends or family. Our story takes place in Mays Landing, Atlantic County. This is a very rural, small town that's got plenty of farmland. Houses are typically very spread apart with lots of land on each lot. It's situated along Lake Lenape and the Great Egg Harbor River. Mays Landing has a population of about 6,500, with its population being, surprisingly, about 55% male. Usually populations, towns, and cities' gender demographics are closer than that, but a 10% difference is actually kind of wild. Anyway, other than that, Mays Landing has good schools, low unemployment, and not much crime. Danny Burroughs grew up in Glen Olden, PA. In the late 60s, he attended Monsignor Bonner High School where he met a girl named Loretta Tokish, who was from nearby Collingdale. They began dating, but they had kind of an on-again, off-again relationship. Danny then began dating another woman who ended up being his first wife and mother of his two children. They ended up divorcing when their children were six and eight years old, who he then became estranged from. Loretta's first marriage also ended divorce in the late 70s, but her second marriage to a man named Joseph Doyle ended when he suddenly passed away in 1994. Loretta called 911 when she found Joseph unconscious. He was taken to the ER and pronounced dead. The cause of death was drug overdose, which is something we'll come back to later. After all of that, Loretta wanted to start anew. She began working as a receptionist at an electrical supply house and also at a car dealership. In 1996, one of Loretta and Danny's old classmates told Danny that Loretta's husband had died and that they should reconnect. The two began dating even though Loretta was living in Yaden, which is a Philly suburb on the PA side, and Danny was in Mays Landing, so they were about an hour apart. Eventually, Loretta moved out to Mays Landing, and she and Danny got married in 1999 in a very private, small ceremony. They didn't really tell anyone that they got married until weeks after the fact. So the new Burroughs couple was settling into their new lives. Danny was a musician and loved drumming, but a big thing people knew about him was that he always loved building or working on something. His favorite thing was to build model airplanes and he had a huge collection of machinery and tools. He worked as a truck driver while Loretto now worked at a retirement home, which he absolutely loved. Loretta actually played a large role in bringing Danny's estranged kids, who were now adults, back into his life. She was very inviting to them and was always asking them to come over for cookouts and to spend time with them. She wanted to know who they were because they were important to her husband. Even the neighborhood kids loved her. She was like the neighborhood grandma who was open, loving, and hospitable. The Burroughs were a happy couple and a pleasant force in their community. The only problem in Danny and Loretta's relationship was their future plans. Danny wanted to move down to Florida to be closer to his kids. He also wanted to start a business with his son. But as welcoming as Loretta was, I guess she wanted his kids to keep making the flights to New Jersey because she didn't want to move to Florida. Her family was all in the Philly area, including her children and grandchildren, so she wanted to stay. In August 2007, Danny hadn't been seen by anyone for a couple of weeks. His brother, Ray Josephs, called the Mays Landing police to let them know that Danny was missing. The two brothers would hang out every weekend, but Danny hadn't shown up for the past couple of hangouts. 
Ray came to check on Danny at his house, but Danny wasn't there. Loretta, now 56, was home though, and she told Ray that Danny had run off with some young waitress on the 8th in his yellow Hummer. She emphasized that this wasn't just a one night stand situation. She said that Danny had completely left her and was currently down in Florida with the new girlfriend. People kept trying to call Danny, but to no avail. Ray then called his niece, Danny's daughter, Carolyn, who then called Loretta to confirm the situation. Loretta was crying when she relayed the same story on the phone to Carolyn, but something didn't seem right. No one knew Danny to be so disrespectful and flippant to his partners, as well as someone who would leave their home and all their belongings behind. But Loretta insisted that Danny wasn't missing. She said she had spoken to him a few days prior and that he was okay. Okay, but if he's totally fine, why isn't he returning anyone else's calls? Why didn't he tell anyone else about this waitress? If he ran to Florida, wouldn't he have told his kids the ones he said he wanted to live closer to? But okay, let's say he did secretly move to Florida. If he wasn't calling anyone back, was he harmed when he got there? Police followed up again with Loretta. She again told the same story that she had been telling. Well, that story had moved through May's Landing like wildfire. Everybody knew Danny, but none of them knew him to be a cheater who would abandon the love of his life or all of his treasured tools and vehicles. One of the borough's neighbors who had been friends with Danny for a long time had no recollection of Danny ever mentioning a younger woman, let alone running away. He last saw Danny a little over three weeks ago casually riding his lawnmower. The following day, however, Loretta was spouting her story about the waitress. Investigators found Loretta suspicious, so they did a background check on her. Turns out, she was a convicted felon who had been both to state and federal prison. To start, Loretta had a gambling addiction. In 1996, $484,000 was stolen from the supply house where she worked. They quickly found out it was her and charged her with embezzlement. Loretta served 15 months in prison in Delaware County for that crime. She clearly did not learn her lesson because not too long later, she was caught stealing from the car dealership where she worked. She got convicted again and spent additional time in prison. This greatly contrasted the image she projected to her community as the loving grandma. But this was no surprise to Danny. He had visited her in prison, so he really did accept her despite her issues and her past. But this discovery didn't really progress the investigation at all. Because they had no other evidence pointing elsewhere, they figured Danny was alive somewhere in Florida, living his life. His daughter Carolyn was adamant that he hadn't just run off like that, and she knew Loretta was somehow involved in his disappearance. Friends and family placed flyers all over May's Landing, asking for any potential leads to his whereabouts. They all collaborated on a Facebook page called Where's Danny? In the About section of the page, Ray, Danny's brother, wrote, Out of nowhere his, now, ex-wife told everybody he ran off with another woman. He left without any of his belongings, nothing. I say BS to her story and many, many lies. She never even called to tell me my brother, Dan, supposedly up and left. I found out several days later when I called my brother's home to see how he was feeling. For me, this is when the nightmare began. Unfortunately, this page brought about few leads, but a lot of gossip. Some people were convinced that Loretta had nothing to do with Danny's disappearance, but others weren't so sure. A neighbor said that Loretta had told them that not only had Danny run off with another woman, he had also stolen Loretta's life savings. She brought a safe over to the neighbor's house and had the husband open the safe while she panically asked, oh my God, did he take all of my money? The husband got it to open and there was only a bank statement in there. She sighed and said, he got me. This was kind of weird because who would immediately assume that someone had stolen all of their money out of a safe? And if it was her safe, why couldn't she open it herself? This all seems like a show to legitimize her story and to kind of leave behind breadcrumbs like see, other people knew that he wasn't as good as he said he was. Now Loretta would seem less terrible when she sold his truck, his tools, and his boat. 
Although it might have seemed petty, maybe some people would have seen it as some well-deserved revenge for stealing her life savings and for abandoning her. Loretta, once open and welcoming to Danny's children, was now completely shut off from them. She stopped returning their calls, didn't reach out to them, stopped inviting them over. But all this didn't mean that she lost all of her friends. Her neighbor, Anne Roberts, was still hanging out with Loretta at her house. She would bring her daughter over because Loretta poured over the little girl like a grandmother would. She would bring her everywhere, buy her whatever she wanted, and Anne and her daughter would sleep over Loretta's house from time to time. Anne refused to believe the rumors. They were at such odds with the woman who was right in front of her. In 2009, two years after Danny's disappearance, Loretta, now 58, filed for divorce. She was granted the divorce because Danny didn't, and couldn't, respond in the specified period of time. Loretta proceeded to sell the house that was actually Danny's and everything else that he owned. She said that without his income, she couldn't afford the house and she was heartbroken about selling it. They had lived there for over 10 years. But Danny's kids were sad because they had nothing to remember him by. Loretta never even asked if they wanted anything of his. After this, Loretta moved about 30 minutes away to Ventnor City. When Anne and her daughter came to visit her at her new place, Loretta was sweet like she always was. But when she showed the daughter the room she'd be staying in, Loretta said in a very austere tone to never open the closet door. The daughter seemed unfazed and actually spent time over her house quite often. Let's fast forward to 2013, over five years since Danny Burroughs was last seen. No one had heard from him still, but they knew that because he left everything behind without a trace, he did not leave of his own volition. They also were certain that Loretta had some involvement in his disappearance, but because there were no signs of foul play, police viewed it as a missing persons case. They had no other choice but to believe Loretta because like I said earlier, they had no evidence to point otherwise, so they had closed the case. His kids were giving up hope of ever finding or knowing what happened to him, but Ray never gave up. He would call the Maze Landing Police Department at the beginning of every year to see if there were any updates about Danny's disappearance. He was surprised when he called around New Year's of 2013 and learned that they had finally created a cold case unit. Police discovered that, on top of her criminal history, Loretta's previous husband had suddenly died. Remember Joseph Doyle from the beginning and how he died of a drug overdose? Well, no one knew him to be a drug abuser. He was not prescribed Percocets and other drugs, and he wasn't the type to seek them out on the street. Now, this doesn't mean that he wasn't skillfully masking his addiction, but it did seem very odd and out of character for Joseph to the people who knew him. Does that kind of sound familiar? Although these facts piqued the cold case investigators' interest, that's all they had on the matter. But luckily, they found some interesting information on Loretta. They learned that she had forged Danny's signature on a power of attorney document so that she could sell his house. They figured the motive was to get all the proceeds from the house sale so that half of it wouldn't have to be put in a trust until he reappeared. In May of 2013, the police issued a search warrant for Loretta's new home in Cape May County. They came to the home around 6 or 7 a.m. looking for paperwork in reference to the house sale. Loretta was still in the process of moving and unpacking everything, but she wasn't apprehensive or suspicious when the cops arrived. She said they could look anywhere they needed. She seemed calm until they told her that they were also searching her old place back in Ventnor. Now she started to panic. In their pursuit of finding the fraudulent documents, the investigators came across two big plastic containers in the guest room closet. They were wrapped in layers and layers of plastic bags and covered in mothballs, dryer sheets, and air fresheners. There was clearly a scent that Loretta was trying to hide, but as the investigators began unwrapping the containers, the smell was unmistakable. Decomposing flesh. Danny's body was in both of the containers. It was cut in several parts, but even though his body was severely decomposed, medical examiners were still able to identify the body as his. Unfortunately, his remains were too far gone to determine a cause of death. 
Cops and Ventner coordinated with the cops in Cape May and they placed her under arrest. They didn't even need to tell her why because she knew what they'd find. Loretta gave a statement that explained why she killed Danny. She brought up their disagreement on where to live. The couple was arguing in their bedroom and Danny allegedly told her that he was going to Florida with or without her. This set Loretta off, so she ran downstairs to the kitchen, grabbed the knife, and turned it on herself. But Danny rushed into the kitchen and tried to wrench the knife out of her hands. She ended up stabbing Danny in the scuffle. Before she got a chance to call 911, Danny had already died, so in a state of panic, she dismembered his body. Not sure why or how this was the immediate next course of action, and whether he lived or not, she still should have called the police. But okay, if all this were true, then why was she keeping his remains hidden in a closet and moving it from one house to another? Why not just bury it at that point? Why not just come clean? She said that she just couldn't bring herself to part with Danny. The trial began March 11th, 2015. Loretta had admitted to stabbing and killing Danny, dismembering him and keeping his body in two of her houses. Her bail was set at $2 million, but since she couldn't afford that, she spent two years in prison awaiting trial. As usual, she was offered a deal. Plead guilty and get 45 years, which in all honesty is pretty much the same as life if you're at least 25 to 30 years old. So, because life in prison and 45 years were essentially the same to her as a woman in her 60s, she took her chances and took the case to trial. Although she did indeed confess to stabbing Danny, detectives didn't read her her Miranda rights, so the entire statement was thrown out and the jury would never hear about it. Maybe the prosecution wouldn't even need her confession though. Danny's remains were in her homes for nearly six years. At the very least, a natural cause of death seemed unlikely. Like we said before, a regular person would have just called 911 and accepted whatever consequences came afterwards, not hiding someone's dismembered body and carrying on like normal. And on top of that, Loretta was telling people lies about what happened to Danny. She was slandering him and tearing down his reputation while he was in her closet. The jury and others were shocked to see Danny's remains, but it was important for them to know the state that Loretta left him in. Although the prosecution and medical examiner couldn't ascertain exactly what Danny's cause of death was, they could determine motive. We all know about the Florida-New Jersey fight, but the prosecution pointed to a much simpler and more common motive, money. They pointed at Loretta's gambling issues, her previous embezzlement and theft convictions, and her forgery of legal documents. Loretta murdered Danny and sold everything he had collected over the course of his life. Even though they couldn't tell the exact profit from these sales because they were most likely made in cash, the prosecution surmised that she probably got about $70,000 from selling Danny's house. With her having power of attorney, she got all the proceeds from the house, but she also never declared him dead so the police would not look deeper into his disappearance. So we know that the document was forged. But how? Two witnesses whose parents were patients at the nursing home where Loretta worked inadvertently helped with the scheme. Loretta was overly nice to a patient whose daughter was an attorney. The daughter, one of the witnesses, filed the power of attorney. Then Loretta set her sights on someone whose son was a notary who happily notarized the document. Neither of them were in on the plot. They thought they were just doing a favor to the nice woman who took good care of their parents. Even the timing of the filing of the power of attorney document was sus because it was filed in June of 2007 and Danny was murdered two months later in August. Prosecutors said this proved Danny's death was premeditated. Funnily enough, the omission of Loretta's confession actually hurt the defense. They could have said that Loretta stabbed Danny in self-defense or it was an accident, but because the confession and therefore the whole scenario with the stabbing wasn't admissible in court, what could they say? The only choice they had was to put Loretta on the stand, but her attorney didn't want to do that because putting the defendant on the stand is usually a horrible idea. Between the criminal history, 
inconsistent statements, they didn't feel like Loretta speaking at all would be helpful to their case. The only witness the defense had to bring on the stand was a medical examiner who was one of the prosecution's witnesses. They stated that Danny had amphetamines in his system when he died, but they couldn't confidently say that that's what caused his death because his body was too decomposed to determine the concentration of the drugs. The defense also had reasonable doubt on their side. Because there was no cause of death or physical evidence tying Loretta to the crime scene, the state had no direct proof that she had killed him. The defense theorized that maybe Danny did die from an overdose, or maybe he killed himself. No one could really know for sure. They also said that the motive the prosecution had posed wasn't strong enough. Even though they also didn't know how much money Loretta netted from selling Danny's things, they said it wasn't enough money to kill someone over, especially, you know, one's husband. The defense claimed that a divorce would have gotten her a better payout than the path the state said she chose. The prosecution responded to the overdose claims by saying the drugs in Danny's system could have been due to medication he was given after a recent rotocuff surgery. They also made it a point to remind the jurors that the defense was putting all the attention on Danny's cause of death and completely ignoring that his dead, cut-up body was stored in Loretta's closet for years. There was no way the defense could even acknowledge that without exposing Loretta, so they just couldn't bring it up at all. Only six days later, on March 17th, 2015, 63-year-old Loretta Burroughs was convicted of murdering Danny Burroughs. She had a little cry, but not much else. A month later, she was sentenced to 55 years in prison for first-degree murder and hindering apprehension. She apologized to the court, saying that sometimes two people can love each other too much whatever that means. Loretta will be eligible for parole, but she was 63 when she was sentenced, so probably not gonna happen. Anyway, police are still investigating the death of her first husband, Joseph Doyle, because that was incredibly suspicious and off-putting. I just think it's wild how people can appear fully sane and functioning, but then they turn around to do the wildest stuff like this. She wasn't antisocial or a shut-in or unpleasant. Everyone in the community and at work genuinely liked her. Not only did no one suspect that the Burroughs had such deep relationship issues, but they also would have never guessed that their relationship would have ended in a murder. I mean, I never want to move to Florida either, but I don't think I'd kill my partner if he wanted to move there. But anyway, that is it for me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. And I would love it if you followed me at GrimTalesGS on Instagram to keep up with new episode announcements and other fun dark facts. I will see you all next week. Goodbye!